You manage an employee, you'll start talking about scripts, KPIs, annual planning, all that shit, right? Like, and that's so important. I'm encouraging you just to move across here and think about the person that's being managed, not the employee. This is the Paul Goff Audio Experience. Whether you call yourself a PT, a physical therapist, or a physiotherapist, and wherever you're listening to this right now, this is for you. It is me revealing everything I can to help make you a more successful business owner. Thanks for listening. It means the absolute world to me. Let's start with this. So a few weeks ago in a mastermind, guy said, um, we do all these one-on-ones. We do all the one-on-ones, but we keep losing therapists after around about nine months, every single time that we bring them in, we find them hard, you know, we, we find it hard to find them in the first place and we bring in these therapists, but we seem to lose them around about six, seven, eight, nine months. So no matter what we do, we can't stop them from leaving because of burnout. That was the phrase. They're always burned out after nine months, but when they arrive, they're keen, they're excited. They know what they're getting into. They know they're going to have to see. 60 patients a week or whatever it is right they know they're going to have to do that many visits so we're not telling them something that they're not capable of doing and then he said but in the first 30 to 60 days they're great at it they love it but something starts to go wrong after around about six months and i said tell me about the one-on-ones he said yeah we're doing the one-on-ones i said tell me how the one-on-one goes or more specifically who does the one-on-one he said well it's the pt I said, what do you mean the PT? The, the, the PT director is the one doing the one-on-ones. I said, how do you think that conversation goes? He said, well, when they arrive, they always tell us that they want to enhance their clinical skills. They want better um, manual therapy skills, or they want to advance their knowledge in this research or this thing or whatever. So the PT director spends a lot of their time working on their clinical skills. I said, good. Um, this PT, who, who is the lead director, tell me in advance of you giving them the position to be uh, the manager of these people, what experience had this person had managing other people? He said, none. And I said, you needed to pay me 12 grand to tell you what the problem is. So you hire a PT clinical director, right? This physio at the time of recruitment is adamant that what they want to be improved upon is the clinical skills. Imagine what that conversation looks like. So the one-on-one really is nothing but clinical skills. That entire one hour or 45 minutes or whatever it will be, will be all about how well that PT is doing as a clinician. You must have realized by now you don't lose them because they're not capable of doing their job most of the time. You nearly always lose them because of other things happening away from work that they bring to work. Conversation yesterday was gold. Can I, am I allowed to talk about it? Can she see me? Can you give me a little nod? Can I mention it? Yeah, Amy, give me a, a little steer on this yesterday. And she said, um, you know, I'd, I'd heard you talk about this thing before about the people element and how important it was to get to the emotional aspect of where your people are because that's where most of your problems are. So here's the story. New, P, uh, new front desk gal comes in and on paper can do the job. But after a few weeks, things start to go a little bit south, not, not, not to the standard. And primarily it was around money that this person really struggled to have conversations with people about the price of Amy's service. After a couple of weeks, Amy pulls this gal and says, look, what's the real problem? 
what's the what's going on here and the girl says um my finances are a mess I'm, I'm just not good with money and the conversation goes on and on and ends up being that this person's worried that they've got no uh, retirement fund they've got no savings they've got no nothing to fall back on however old this person is at this point um, starting to think about retirement and realize that she hasn't got anything to fall back on so amy says great tomorrow we're going to have a conversation bring all of your checkbooks bring everything that you need bring bring all of your bank whatever it is that you've got and we're going to figure out how to start this ball rolling for you we're going to get you set up with a small little plan over here and we're going to get this thing set up over here and i'm going to help you understand how to get rid of that debt or whatever it is and it was a game changer for that employee it had nothing to do with being able to follow a script it had nothing to do with being able to follow a process it had everything to do with an emotional problem, an internal thing that the person is bringing to work. Now, this is the idiocy of, of how we all live our lives, is that had Amy not recognized that, right, which is real leadership, had Amy not recognized that, Amy would have set out on a collision course with that person, probably for about three to six months, that would have just looked like this. Two people banging their heads together, arguing, trying to solve the wrong problem, basically treating a hamstring when the problem is a sciatic nerve. That's what we're all doing all day, every day. As a leader, as a business owner, you, I promise you, nine out of ten times. As a leader, as a business owner, you're treating you, your I promise you, nine out of ten times, times you're treating your hamstring. Looks the same, sounds the same, smells the same, looks the same, feels sounds the same, smells the same, but it's a completely different part of the body. But it's a completely different part of the body that the original problem. It's nearly always the person. That person's bringing their fears into the office. They're not going to tell you. They're not going to walk in and go. The reason I'm not going to follow your script is I haven't got a pension or retirement fund, Amy. That's not like, could you imagine it? They're not going to do it, right? Like they're going to fight. They're going to try and protect themselves. And the only way that anybody knows how to protect themselves is to get what? Angry. A breakdown. That's get, that's, when you watch a breakdown or a meltdown, that's somebody angry for crying out loud. They're angry. They're in fear. That's the natural response of somebody when they're having a meltdown. Anger. That's the, the, at any one point, you'll never feel as strong when you're, when you're angry. That's why people do get angry because they're fed up with feeling weak they're frightened when you get into these meltdowns and these breakdowns with your employees that's what you're seeing you're witnessing with your own eyes somebody in fear sweating dripping with sweat like it's got nothing to do necessarily with whether or not they can do your job it's there's all this other stuff behind the scenes that i think if you get to it in fact i'm adamant that if you get to it i'm not saying it improves it every time but I'm saying it swings the odds in your favor. Which is why the one-on-ones really aren't about the performance. It's as much about the person. What help do you need? What's going on? What's happening in your life? And really what we're talking about is managing of people, not employees. That's the big distinction here. You manage an employee, you'll start talking about scripts, KPIs, annual planning, all that shit, right? Like, and that's so important. I'm encouraging you just to move across here and think about the person as being managed, not the employee. Does that make sense? And it's for you to be a second voice in the conversation, for you to be a guy or a girl that they feel comfortable with talking to. I've got this problem. Can you help? They might not even come out and say that. It might just come out in a conversation if you ask the right questions or you open the dialogue to allow it to happen. That's what bonds them to you. That's the glue. But also equally, 
That's what allows them to come to work calm, stable. They've still got shit going on at home. Like, equally, I have. Like, none of us are exempt from any of this stuff. None of us. The difference is the ones that can contain those emotions are the ones who ultimately get the best out of their life. The key word there is contain. Not remove, not eradicate. You will never in a million years eradicate fear. You'll never eradicate doubt. You'll never do any of that stuff. You'll, you'll never not have a situation where you're going to react to something unfavorably. But you can contain the response. And I think that's what, over the next couple of hours, we're going to try and get closer to. How do we move you towards more recognizing the person element and separating it from the employee element? It's so easy to go in at the tactical level, the practical level, if you want to call it, rather than the person, uh, spiritual level, um, emotional level, whatever you want to call it. But that's why I think around about 80% of your time needs to be spent. If not, if not, you're probably inviting situations into your office constantly where um, you're retraining them on the script, right? Go through Paul. So how many of you have done this? Go through Paul Sills boot camp. Okay, I did that. Didn't work. Read Paul's book. Okay, that didn't work. Read Paul's book again. That didn't work. Okay, um, get some training with Barry. Didn't work. All right, you get, you get it? There's only so much you can do, right? Before you realize that's the clue, right? The clue is that this, no matter what training you give them or what you do, like it just doesn't work. Like you can't sit there and go, well, the book didn't work. Sales bootcamp didn't work. Barry didn't work. This didn't work. That didn't work. It's like, come on, they're petrified. Right, and if you don't help them have that conversation, then you probably won't get the improvement that you're looking for. So I'm I'm going to kick this off with teach your people to acknowledge that your people are people, not just employees. So these are the six leadership competencies that we're going to talk through this afternoon. Set the vision, organize the work, engage the people, build capacity, get results, and communicate results. So these are the six leadership competencies that we're going to talk through this afternoon. This is really what you're set looking the vision, for organize the work, engage the people, a, a build capacity, get results, piece of paper, and communicate. And three columns in each one right put three columns one with yourself one with current manager and one with the future manager in mind insert the name insert the blank so if there's somebody in your office right now that you've got as a potential that you think succession planning this is called that could be a potential future manager let's put their name in this column let's put the current manager in the column this could get quite funky if the ops manager sat next to you <laughs> Does anybody want to move? Shuffle seats for a little while. <laughs> and then what we're going to have is um, the ops manager is going to rate themselves 59 out of 60. And uh, Cody's going to rate her 42 out of, no, I'm only joking. Right? But actually, in all fairness, right, what we want is a gap. So at least we start with an objective measurement and we can bridge the thing. So three columns as we go through this is what it could look like. So in the end, you could end up with something like this. There's going to be six uh, competencies we're going to go through. And at the end of each little section, you're going to be able to uh, stop for 30 seconds and rate yourself out of 10 according to the thing, whether it's set the vision, inspire the others, engage the others, and so on. And you'll see how a little bit of Luke's session and a little bit of Tiffany's is going to come into this this afternoon. So it's all going to piece together this afternoon for you. At the end of this session, by 5.15, you'll be able to rate yourself out of 60. You'll be able to rate a current manager out of 60 and you're going to be able to rate a potential future manager out of 60. Everybody follow me? So I'm, I'm taking you deep into the competency, talking about it, show you what I think and how to recognize and how to coach it, and then give a little score at the other end. All right, so set the vision. So what's required to do this, right? So what this means is 
This is what they need to do. To set the vision, this is what's capable of them. Leaders need to know how to support their teams or how their teams support the mission. So does, for example, uh, the clinical director, the, the head PT, does that head PT know how their team, their five clinical specialists support the mission, set the vision for the team contribution? Do they know that? Can they effectively communicate their vision to their team members? to other company leaders and across departments. So can you effectively communicate the vision to marketing department, to sales department, to admin? Can the person who is your practice manager, your um, patient care coordinator that might be overseeing three front desk uh, guys or girls, can that person effectively communicate the vision of their department to the team members, to other company leaders, could that person go to marketing and explain the vision of what their department is and what it does to contribute to your vision? So this is how to coach. Do they spend, so this is either you or them, do they spend dedicated, regularly scheduled time on vision and forward thinking? Or are they just busy doing? Is there any time? So yesterday, and this is how all of this pieces together for you. I don't make any of this up. It's all well thought through. Yesterday when I told you about Infusionsoft, we realized that when we went for a coffee for an hour on a Friday, we were doing growth work. They were doing the time spent on vision and forward thinking for that one hour. And then it turned into two, then it turned into four, then it turned into eight, and then it turned into two days and, and so on and so forth. How much time is really being spent on thinking about the vision and where the company's headed? Right? Answer it for yourself. Answer it for a potential leader in the company. Do you give them permission to do that? Do you give them time or permission just to let their mind wander and think about where they're headed next? Is there a declaration in place for key results and improvement efforts? Is there an absolute commitment, a declaration, if you like, for the big, key, most important results that we will resolve to achieve? Does everybody on their team know the vision for the team's contribution and path to team excellence? So we can sit there and blame your front desk guy or gal, right? But if you're a practice manager, hasn't done this, we have an ineffective leader. Do they know the vision for the team's contribution and path to overall team excellence? Does everybody in that PT department know how they contribute to excellence? Key results. So we're making abundantly clear publicly of what the results are that we need to achieve as a department or as a division. It's a declaration of independence. It's a statement. We've made that. We know what it is. Do the right people outside the team know? So you heard Tiffany this morning. Who did she say the most important call she has with? Probably outside me, or the, the, the more, one of the most impactful. Finance, Lee, that's that. Do, do the right people outside the team know? So she's discussing with Lee where we're headed. So Lee can keep an eye on cash flow potential problems if she wants to hire more people, invest in more software, you getting it? So they're having a balance and check with each other. So somebody outside of her team knows where she's headed. Can they create excitement, belief, and passion to get others on board? That's amazing. If you get that, in abundance, what you saw this morning, in abundance, that girl is able to do. Create excitement, belief, and passion to get people behind the cause of what we're doing for you guys. Are you doing that? Do you create that excitement? When you walk into your office, ask yourself honestly, 
Does the level of self-belief rise? If the shit hits the fan, do they think, that's all right, we're going to be cool. Paul's got this. Paul will handle this. Whatever goes wrong, we will be all all right. Or is he going to throw his toys out of the proverbial cot? Is the place going to melt down? And we're all now at the mercy of how everybody's going to react. Is there a passion for the thing? Can you feel it? Is it electric? Is it obvious? Is it in your face? Is it in your eyes? Or are you carrying to work problems from home? Are you carrying with you to work issues that you've received in an email? Are you carrying to work things that have happened in your family life? You think you're not, but it's visible in your face. Your energy's down. Can you create the excitement for what you're about? Are they as excited as you to get behind the cause? Is that person that you're thinking of giving the managerial position capable of any of this? Excitement, passion, and belief. Number two, I'm going to go through this and then we're going to stop this. We'll stop at number three and we'll do some Q&A. We'll talk around it. So be prepared with your, your questions. Organize the work. So what's required? Organize people and resources to achieve the desired results. So can I, can I get everything together, right? I've got, I've got the, the team. I've got the processes. I've got the checklists. I've got the software. Um, I've got everything I need, which many of you have. Well, can we get it organized in such a way that it contributes to the desired results? That's what you were watching this morning. What's required is setting team goals, defining parameters, and identifying the three key metrics for every team member that will combine to create the desired team results. That's almost like this cascading effect that we've got this bigger overarching goal. The company's got its three big key metrics it needs to hit. Every department has its big three key metrics. And then every individual has its big three key metrics that contribute to the departments, that contribute to the uh, companies, that contribute to the vision. You follow it? Has you or have you done that? Have the person that you've instructed to manage a department for you done anything like this for you? This is back to if they don't know what they're doing and they don't know what their outcome is, this is where it gets busy, it gets messy, it gets fuzzy, it gets tactical, and all of your conversations become small talk. Do they empower their people to employ systems and processes to efficiently accomplish the work in an effective manner? Empower the people to employ systems. So what that means is they don't jump in and do it. You found a problem, I'm empowering you now to create a system to fix this thing efficiently accomplish the work in an effective manner. That's the job of management. So how to coach, what to look for and encourage. Uses an organized game plan to drive prioritized work for each quarter. Again, we heard it this morning. Tiffany's job is to think quarter by quarter. Mine is to think 12 months, 24 and 36 months. And that cascades down to the people underneath me on the org chart. Ability to operationalize the vision which again, I think you heard this morning, that came up in a conversation about the challenge on the roadblock where Clark, it was Clark's conversation, this came up, where I said, what my goal is, what my job is, is to say the vision, right? I can see this thing and I know where I'm headed. So I've got the vision. Tiffany, Sophie's, Kayla's job is to operationalize it, is to bring it to the tactical and implementation level. Following? So I'm not getting involved as much as possible at the tactical and implementation level. Their job is to operationalize my vision. Your job is to have that vision, right? But then Tiffany's got to have a vision for her department, which supports my vision. So it cascades down yet again. Yep, following. 
our team goals and team members uh, three metrics current and prominently displayed infusionsoft taught me a lot of this and i i, I mention them regularly um, i love i love them i love their ethos i love everything about them and said it i'm very blessed to have uh, contacts there that i can pick their brains whenever i go there you walk into their office um, and they have a car they have a license plate um, and it says something like, um, I help uh, small business owners, one, two, three. And every person's desk has a license plate with the three key metrics that that person is responsible for. 400 staff or however many there is. Every one of them has in their onboarding, in their indoctrination, a handing over of the license plate, which tells them everything that they do. And also allows everybody else in the company to know what that person does, which is the displaying the three key metrics prominently so that everybody can see. Yes. Well, the same thing. Metrics and KPIs, to me, the same thing. Metrics and KPIs would be your, um, your indicators, your levers, whatever you want to call them. I call them and often reference them critical drivers, the levers that you can pull. That would be arrival rate, cancel rate, um, uh, net promoter score, referral ratio, rate, all those types of things. They'd all be metrics and KPIs. From I help um, the patients of this clinic by, number one, providing world-class treatment in such a way that they want to come back time and time again. I provide world-class treatment in such a way that people want to refer, tell everybody about us, and create raving fans in our community. Because that's what they do. You get it? Like that's, that's their job. That's their big strategic outcome for you, is to provide treatment, to keep people happy, so much so that they want to come back for life. They provide treatment in such a way that they, or they provide a service, because it's not just about the treatment, they provide service in, uh, at such a standard that uh, it creates raving fans in the community that creates an abundance of referrals. That's what you want your physios to do, is it not? Do you get it? The tactical is you want them to, to do certain treatment techniques or uh, highest standard of care right yeah i get it i get it right but it's like it's bollocks it's like it's it's like go to pps conference for that type of shit right that keeps all them guys happy but really what you want them to do what you want them to do is provide a standard of care that creates a lifelong raven fan yes or no that's it like that's what you want them to do you want them to provide a standard of care that um create such an impact on people that they want to tell everybody about you. Is that not what you want them to do? How clear is that? Right? So then I sit down at the end of every 90 days with that person and go, not one person has asked for you. Explain. Right? And they're going, well, I use this ultrasound machine. I say, like, fuck, like, I'm not bothered about the ultrasound machine. I use this. Or it's like, I don't need that conversation. Your job is to create lifelong Raven fans. Your job is to become a personality in this business. So much so that people are ringing up begging to be seen by you. That's what I want you to do. I don't care how you do it. That's what I want you to do. That's the North Star that you must shoot for. How you do that, over to you. I, I, I just want that. Do you get, like, do you see it? See the difference in the level of conversation? If we start getting involved in world-class care or highest stand, or whatever, right? Whatever bullshit PPS and all them guys come out with, right? It, it, it's granular immediately. It becomes about a machine. It becomes about a research item. It becomes about a technique. And that's not what we want. We just want to give somebody some money 
in return for providing the type of service that people absolutely love so much so that they want to come back time and time again. Now I can track that because I can see however many people come back based upon when this person touched them or, or had contact with them. And I can definitely track whether or not this person is creating a dent because they're going to go away. If I've had a good experience with Cody, right, it, it defies logic for me not to tell my mom to ask for Cody. Just doesn't, it just doesn't work like that. Like Now I will say the treatment's great and the guys are all great, but every one of them will go, well, make sure you ask for Johnny or make sure you ask for Shawnee or whoever, right? Like they're going to do that. So it becomes very easy for me to ask what real impact you're making is in the number of people who ask for you by name. I've said this from day one. I know when members of my team are making a dent because you start talking about them. That's it. If you don't know the name of some of my staff, they're not making a dent. It's the easiest metric for me to track. So-and-so's great. I love so-and-so. When can we get so-and-so back? When's so-and-so coming over? I don't need to. I don't even need to look at the spreadsheet after that. It just makes my life so much easier because I'm very clear that's the ultimate metric. That's the ultimate objective of that individual. You following? Effective use of systems and processes to efficiently accomplish work. So you heard that this morning. Tiffany was able to come to me and say, hey, Paul, this thing that we've used to get to 100 is not going to get us to 200. We need to move it. We need to change the system. So she spots that in advance. So that's an effective use of the systems and processes, right? If my team keep coming to her and saying, we can't get this done, well, she's not doing her job. She has to work out whether or not it's a, a capability issue or a capacity issue, right? And the difference there is, are they actually capable of using the system? Let's check that box. And secondly, it's a capacity. We've just outgrown it. The immediate response for most is to check that it's it's always a, a capacity issue. They'll always blame the system. Every, don't every one of you just want to like hang your EMR, right? Every single one of you, the reason that your business isn't as successful as you would like it to be is because of the EMR, right? If you could just find the perfect EMR, everything would be all right. And doesn't matter what EMR you use, it's it's the chits, right? But it's not the EMR. It's often the way that we're using them. The, the, the thing. Same with Infusionsoft. It's like, well, Infusionsoft this, or it's the same with Active Campaign, or it's the same with whatever. Like everybody wants to blame the software, right? And really, actually, it's the uh, user, user, and whether or not they've took the time to, to use it and learn it. We'll take on five of your clients, five, five of you for January. Lee will spend a week figuring out how to plug it into to spreadsheets. That when we do it, you'll go, this is absolutely amazing. Jane app is all of a sudden the best app on earth. Do you get it? That's what will happen. I absolutely guarantee you. And it only will happen because we'll take five days to do it that you don't. That's it. There's not much more to it in, in it. I use a software called TM3, right? And yeah, everyone whinges about it. But I've had clients in the UK, US, Canada, and all over using it who drop out after a few months. And yet we know how to use it. Now, it's not, it's not the best by any means. It's good enough. But we've stuck around with it for long enough because we figured out how to connect it to spreadsheets to download in real time the information. But Lee spent five solid days doing that. That's the difference to all of this stuff. Infusionsoft. Dave was on stage a few days ago at Infusionsoft. Fantastic achievement, right? He's just like you and I. He just figured out 
Well, he didn't figure out. He gave himself the chance to figure out because of the time. And again, this is what your managers need to do. Your managers have to be coming to you going, I can figure that out. Lee came in straight away, right? Again, another one should be in this conversation. Came in straight away, replaced the guy before him, immediately, what the hell is this? Why are we doing it like this? Really because the old guy couldn't be asked to do it. He just didn't want to get in, didn't want to dig in, didn't have the, the, the courage to do it, dig in, figure out some problems. 10 days later, there's the solution. Paul, I can now download these spreadsheets for you in real time. And now I go, Lee, fucking hell, I don't need all of it. Right now it's the opposite. He's like, look, I've got 76 tabs for you to look at. I'm like, I don't fucking want to look at 76 tabs. Like, fuck that. Like, I just need to know about five things. He's like, well, it's there if you want it. I'm like, I'll let you know, right? So meanwhile, I go in the office and he's like clicking through all these tabs and fucking, but they love that. He geeks out on that shit, right? Which makes him perfect for the job that he does. But then it cascades up to me. I just need to know, if I need to know what's on tab 72, I can go and get tab 72, right? <laughs> it's very unlikely, but <laughs> there's a day where I'm really bored and there's nothing else going on in my life. And I've had a few drinks and I want to end my life. I'll probably push myself over it by <laughs> going to page 72 on one of these spreadsheets that Lee's created from TM3, right? But that's, that's another story for another day. All I'm saying is effective uses of systems and processes. This is your manager's job to do it. Outdated processes are going to come along in a fast growing business. I think Tiffany used the words this morning. He hired me to solve problems or to spot problems. She's right. She's right. You ops managers in the room. Your job is to find the problems. You should, you should get a bottle of champagne out every time you find... Congratulations, Cody. I found another problem. I, I think, I don't know if I told you this story, but I had a girl in the office who liked to mourn, right? But in a passionate way, so I kind of liked it, right? You know when there's like a, a, there's two types of whinging. One's where you're really passionate about it and it's kind of quite cool where you're like, yeah, it's infectious, I get it, right? And it's fun. And then there's like the whiny, whingy, like really dour morning. Like most people are like that. But I once said this employee was quite passionate about the fact that she wanted to mourn, right? So I loved that. I thought, cool, like I'll just ride along the back of this. So I said, look, we've got this project for Infusionsoft and um, I need you to take over Infusionsoft and, and, and make sure it's all okay. So I, I swear, I came in every day, right? And she was like, I found another problem. She's like, I'm not happy about this. I found another problem. I found another problem, right? And she just was getting more and more and more irate. I said, right, I'm going to swap this. Your job is not to sort out Infusionsoft. Your job is to find every fault that you possibly can with Infusionsoft. Next day, I found another one. I found another one. And I found another one, right? She went from being dour about finding the problems because she thought her job was to fix Infusionsoft. Her new job was to find all of the problems with Infusionsoft and she was having a damn good time doing it. You get it? So now she was happy that she was finding the same problems that the day before were pissing her off. Manage people. You get it? Manage people. She was now celebrating every time she found a problem. That's what they do. That's what you guys have got to do. Congratulations. I've just found another problem. We can fix it. And if we fix the problems, the business grows and it moves on. Happy with that? Engage people. So he's Luke's seminar from yesterday. So what's required? 
Start the right conversations by asking great questions. Questions are, um, good questions are rare. What you'll find with most conversations in an office, they are statements that people already knew. They're already, they're statements. People often just point out the obvious. Asking a great question takes you down a completely different path to solving that problem. I'm gonna give you some good questions after this. Strategy versus tactics is usually found in answering or asking a great question. So your leaders, the good leaders, they get the right people involved to set the team's vision, create strategy, tackle problems, or get results. And they secure commitment from and motivate everybody who should be involved. So do I get everybody's commitment? Do I motivate the right people so that they get behind me or not? This is a big one. I, I don't know if this is rife through most organizations, but it should be. Leaders know what our core client wants and how we do our business. I guarantee you, I absolutely guarantee you, if I came into your office and I said, who's your ideal client and what do they want? If you've got 10 people, I'll get 10 different versions. I know you're not having that conversation. You'll never have that conversation enough, ever. You want to know how to inspire your people? Just obsessed over that final part. This is what we do. You ask any of my team, this is what we fucking do. This is what we do. This is what we do. This is why we do what we do. The belief, the confidence thing runs through my company. Samantha, is that Samantha underneath the mask? Samantha, one of my new sales gals has been with us for two or three weeks. She just hears all the time. This is what we do. This is what we're about. This is what we're about. I don't need to teach her how to sell. She knows how to sell. But she has to understand what she is selling. What do my ideal clients want? Well, what do they want? Well, before we get there, let's start with what they lack. Do you get it? What does our core client want? How we do our business. This is how Paul does his business. This is what Paul values. 25-year vision. Let's start there. Long-term relationship. Everything's upstream. It's coming down. Don't care when, it's coming down. Don't rush them. Whatever it takes, we'll be the last person to call you, the last person to email you. That's why I win every single time. When everybody else gives up on you because you stopped opening their emails, when everybody gives up on you because you stopped opening the post, when everybody is Facebooking you and you're not responding, I'm still there time after time after time after time. Thank you for listening to Paul Goff's audio experience. If you're brand new to Paul's world, head on over to paulsmarketingbook.com where you can get started with his number one best-selling marketing book for physical therapists. Or if you've been listening to the show for a while, you like what you hear and you think that you can benefit from this type of help to accelerate the growth and profitability of your practice, reach out to Paul's team at paul at paulgoff.com and tell us exactly what you're looking for. And by the way, if you know someone who would benefit from today's show, please share it with them. And if you've got any questions that you want answered, tweet Paul at the Paul Goff using the hashtag AskPG. You can also find all of these details over in today's show notes. All right, until next time, have a wonderful day.